baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll see how far we get with the time we have left. Um, <clears throat> actually, a lot of these things on here we're going to be looking at again. So if, uh, this could be like our first time through. We're going to be looking at this, this again because, uh, like I say, it's a very involved subject. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to start in Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. We'll just use that as a jumping off point. <clears throat> Matthew 3.11. <clears throat> John the Baptist is speaking. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And if we move forward to Mark 1.8, Mark 1.8 says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now Luke 3.16 says essentially the same thing as Matthew. Um, let, let's just look at it anyway. 3.16 says, John answered and said to them, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, <clears throat> John 1.33. It's interesting. All four Gospels mention the baptism. Three actually covered a little bit. But anyway, 1.33. And I did not recognize him. This is, again, John the Baptist speaking. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Holy Spirit, the, see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. We're going to come back to that. Now, uh, going back to Matthew 3, it says, baptize with the Holy Spirit. The, word, the Greek word with is actually N-E-N in, in the English, could also be translated in or by. Okay? And... How do you determine with versus in or by the context of the sentence? Sometimes even then it's kind of, huh. <laughs> it's tough. It's iffy. You just kind of really have to watch it. Sometimes it doesn't matter that much. Okay. But just, just to know that when you see those words, you know, with, in, or by, very often it's the word in, the Greek word in, E-N, in, in English. <clears throat> now, some more definitions. Baptize, baptizo. Okay, again now, remember, baptize, baptism, baptismal, all the they're all transliterations as opposed to a translation. Okay, we, we've talked about that before, so we know the difference, right, between a transliteration and a translation. <clears throat> a translation of baptizo would be to dip, immerse, submerge, place into or under. Okay, now baptizo is found in secular writings for drowning men and sinking ships. We'll probably be bringing that out again once we get into the area of uh, water baptism. Okay, so <clears throat> you're not going to sink a ship with a squirt gun <laughs> or, or, a, or a cup of water. <laughs> Just extra information, no, no extra charge. Now, related Greek words, baptisma, which is translated baptism. Matter of fact, that's right here in Matthew 3, 3 7, uh, <clears throat> where it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for 
baptism. He said to them, you brood of vipers, etc., etc. Okay, and we've got the word baptismos, which is found in Mark 7, and not, but this one is actually referring to washings, primarily ceremonial washings of cups, etc. Um, and and that, that term is found in, in Mark 7, 4. It's a little bit different than the others, but 7, 4, <clears throat> where it says, and when they came to the uh, marketplace, they do not eat unless cleanse them. So this is the Pharisees crabbing about the uh, apostles. They're not going through the ceremonial washings. Unless they cleanse themselves, and there are many other things which they have rece received in order to, do, in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. And then the Pharisees went on to rant and rave about meaningless stuff. And the Lord set them straight on that, that... Uh, you know, you, you overly concern yourself with the traditions of men, okay, as opposed to the Word of God. Um, <clears throat> okay, then we've got the word baptistes, which is the word Baptist, which is translated either Baptist or baptizer. We saw that right in the first one in John, or in Matthew 3, 1, about John. It says, in those days, John the Baptist, that's uh, baptistis. And then the last one, bapto, which is kind of like the root word for all of these. It means to dip or die. And we can see that word in, in Matthew 26, 23, where at the, at the uh, Last Supper, Jesus says, he who dips, okay, the, into the bread. And Revelation 19, 13, where the robes, Jesus' robe was described as being dipped in blood okay and that word means that word bapto means to dip or to dye clothing that's not done much anymore at least but i remember grandparents and parents used to do that sometimes you grab something that's faded get a bucket of water fill it with dye mix it up and and uh submerge the piece of clothing they were dying into there and just let it soak up the color and then they did the follow-up but they dip, they just stuck it always submerged it into that uh, container okay now the expectation of spirit baptism and we're in Matthew 3 it looks at Matthew 3 11 to 12 and Luke we already read Luke for the sake of time we'll just stay in Matthew Matthew 3 11 and 12 <clears throat> again John the Baptist is speaking he says as for me I baptize you with water for repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Okay. Now, in this statement here we have actually three baptisms if you will being mentioned here you have water baptism administered by john the baptist signifying repentance those who said we repent of our sins came down and showed that by being baptized then you have spirit baptism which we're going to see as we move through this lesson signifying salvation and entrance into the body of Christ, the church, spiritual event. We'll get to that in a moment. And then baptism with fire signifying judgment. 
some people mistake this and they see baptism and with the uh, mis many misunderstandings of what spirit baptism is out there they um, mistakenly equate fire with the little tongues of fire in Acts 2 and that's not at all what this is talking about well how do you know that's not what it's talking about well look at verse 12 <laughs> <laughs> and this is how I know that and his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor he will gather his wheat into the barn familiar analogy but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire that's why I know this fire is not talking about that event okay so <clears throat> there you have it now I put a note here note at the point of salvation or conversion Jesus places the believer into the realm or sphere if you will of the Holy Spirit who then places them that's all that believe into the body of Christ it's like look back in verse 11 of chapter of John, of John I'm getting John the Baptist Matthew and down the apostle all mixed up but I'm doing fine <laughs> okay he says but he is mightier than I coming after me not fit he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire and down there it says he will the, the bad guys are going to be burnt up with the chaff will be burnt up with unquenchable fire so we know the bad guys are going to be placed into the the very very end what is it the lake of fire okay and be baptized right into that be placed right into that thing okay so that's why the context tells me that with here is much is, is like placing us into the holy spirit in terms of and we know the holy spirit dwells within us so it's not we're so we're placed in his sphere in his realm okay and part of that he's going to indwell us and the other part that he's going to put us into the body of christ let's look at first corinthians 12 first corinthians 12 and this is i believe this is all happens at the point of salvation when somebody comes to that that point in their life when they actually do accept christ as lord and there's that point in time for each and every believer that that happens Okay. there is a point in time all right and first um, Corinthians 12 13 says this for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free and we were all made to drink of one spirit so again we were by one spirit that's the Holy Spirit in the, in the context of this chapter 12 it's the holy spirit that we were baptized into the church we put in the realm of the spirit the spirit puts us into the realm of, of and baptized and it says other places baptized into christ and it's the trinity working with us you read that you read this matter of fact when we get to the, in the doctrine of indwelling of the holy spirit we're going to see that every believer is actually indwelt by the not only the holy spirit but the father and son also see that's a reality too all right, so you, you got the triune God working in all of this. So that's why, you know, I wouldn't get too dug in on quibbling over, you know, is it with, in, or by? <laughs> yes. 
it's done. <laughs> you could say, well, is it with it or by? And you could say, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't really hurt anything because we're, we're, we're placed into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's working within us. He's working without us. He's working all over the place. You know, I mean, it's just the, the son's working, the father's working. They're all working together in perfect harmony. And I mean, and we're just the, the beneficiaries of all that, of all that activity. Okay, and just, I mean, to realize that is really, the, to me, the best takeaway of all this, that we don't get caught up in the, in, 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 in the small fry stuff that doesn't really get us any further down the road, okay, on this. And, um, okay, now, now baptized into one body. I want to compare that, that whole concept with, let's look at Romans 6, 3. Romans 6, 3. Romans 6, 3 says, Or do you not know that all of us, again, speaking to believers, all of us, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? This is all spiritual. Spiritual results, the spiritual reality. The Holy Spirit baptized in the one body. What body is that? The body of Christ. The church. We... The same spiritual outcome is baptized into Christ. We're one. I mean, how often do we read in Paul's writings the, the, the phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ? That defines our relationship. We are in Christ. See that? And so it's, we're baptized into Christ. We're there. And that's, that's a spiritual reality. You know, it's not one of those things you can see and feel and touch, but maybe feel it. But it's, but it's you know, it's it's a reality. It's a reality. And then, um, let's look at Galatians three. Galatians three twenty six. Galatians three twenty six and twenty nine. <clears throat> For you all, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, there it is again, were baptized, placed into Christ. When you get baptized, remember, the word baptized means either, you know, placed into, under, submerged, okay? There is need, baptized into Christ, <clears throat> were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then it goes on to teach that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, Free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ, and you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Again, see, we're all one in Christ, we're all baptized in Christ, and that is our identity. And that is our, what should be our unifying identity. That's who we all are. See, we are, we're, uh, and that's why we can call ourselves brothers and sisters of, in Christ because that's where we are in Christ okay and it's like I say it's a spiritual reality it's a spiritual reality I won't look these up today because we're going to be studying all of them eventually but at conversion 
believers are also, we looked at this a little bit, sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. We are all indwelt with the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. These are all on your handout. The Holy Spirit produces spiritual fruit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And then the Holy Spirit gifts believers for service. And that ought to be a fun few weeks in that one. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. <laughs> but, uh, and then some of these we've looked at, but I'd like to look at them again. And that's further promises of the coming Holy Spirit. So again, when you, you think about it in terms of what the baptism accomplishes and the Spirit's coming and all these other things that's going to happen to us that has happened to us, if you're a believer, you know, like, like for example, I believe at the point of salvation, you are gifted for whatever God has called you to do. You have maybe haven't realized it yet when the first day. I didn't. But uh, like I say, we'll talk about that when we get there, how that happens, how you realize it. Okay, further problems. Let's start off with the Gospel of John, chapter 14. This is one we saw last time. <clears throat> John 14, 16 to 27. And listen to these various terms and phrases in here as we go through. And I will ask that this is again, this is Jesus at the Last Supper speaking to the then 11. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Okay? A little uh, point of security there. With you forever, as our seal. Right? See that? That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you, when they were sitting around that table, the Holy Spirit abides with you and will be in you. When's that going to start? Pentecost. That's when all that's going to start for them. Okay. And <clears throat> verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And a little while the world will behold me no more. But you will behold me because I live. You shall live also. In that day you shall know that I am in the Father and you are in me. And I in you, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he, <clears throat> he it is who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and, and will disclose myself to him. <laughs> I, I like this one. Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and, and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. See that? Make our abode with him. That's speaking both Father and Son. He who does not love me does not keep my word, and the, and, and, and the word which you hear is not, not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, you to, and bring to your remembrance 
all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I'll go away and will come to you. If you, <clears throat> if you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes to pass, and when it comes to pass, you may, that you may believe. Okay. Anyway, there's a lot going to happen. I mean, when you, can you imagine these guys sitting around the table just kind of going, whoa. <laughs> they were like, this is a lot of stuff. And later on, you know, it says, it says, you know, you, I've got a lot more things to say, but you can't really handle it right now. But you just wait. You just wait. When the Spirit comes, you will. Luke 24. Luke 24, 44 and <clears throat> 49. Again, this is, uh, one of, again, one of those post-resurrection, one of my favorite post-resurrection passages, actually. These are my words, which I have spoken to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And here's where they started to get it. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There's where it all started. There's where it all started. Remember reading those passages in John 14, they were still at the, they were at the Last Supper. Now we're at Christ is risen teaching this. And he opened their minds that they might start understanding. Okay? And it was only going to get better because when the Holy Spirit came, boom. <laughs> then that understanding was, I believe, refined, and, and then they personally were empowered. I mean, we saw what they did. I mean, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Anyway, 40, verse 46. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Remember that, that clothed, which was one of those pictures, those word pictures of the ministry of the Spirit? And then Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up. And after he had, he had by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Okay, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. It's like you look at the epistles. How do those guys get so smart? <laughs> they had, well, the, the, the apostles like, like Peter and John and, <clears throat> and so forth. They, Matthew, they had him for 40 days learning. That's how they, all this stuff came back and how they're able to explain it in the Gospels. They, were, they listened to it for 40 days. Their minds were opened to get it. And then when the Holy Spirit came... That's it. That's it. They're, they got everything they need now. <laughs> Verse 4, he says, And gather them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what his father had promised, which he said, You heard from me. For John, and they were going to talk, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? 
They always had that on their mind. It gets them always, is this it? You know, it's kind of like the kids in the backseat of the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> and he, verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power. See, this, here's the important Don't get sidetracked on that. That's all going to happen in, in its time. Okay? That's why, you know, it doesn't do us any good to try to guess who the Antichrist is or any of that stuff. Don't, that's all going to happen. And there's a time set for it. That time is not going to be pushed up. It's not going to be pushed back. It's out there. It's set. Just, we need to just do what we're called to do, right? And so that's what, he's, that's what Jesus is basically telling them. Verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of, part of the earth. And that is, in fact, what has happened and, quite frankly, what is still happening. The gospel's still going out. And I believe it's been to those remote parts of the earth some, some, uh, several times. And there's, there's places where the church was strong that hardly exists anymore. That it needs to go, the word needs to go back, you know. So, like, you know, Asia Minor is a good example, you know, where, you know, modern-day Turkey. Man, I mean, that was a stronghold of Christianity in the first century. Been a long, long time, ever since... Islam showed up. Now, let's look at the initial coming. We're going to Acts, Acts chapter 2. We'll, we've got a few minutes read some of this. A lot of this, this speaks for itself. And we're going to get back into all these four passages again when we start getting into, especially when we start talking about the, uh, the gift of tongues. See, this, this baptism, this event, that, which is called the baptism, that, you know, the Holy Spirit, we're put into the Spirit's realm, and the Spirit puts us into, the, into Christ. We're one in Christ. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Now here's the 120 in the upper room. I'm on the back, second page, back page of the handout. <clears throat> and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves as they rested on each of them. I kind of picture it kind of like, like a perfectly shaped flame on a candle, you know, like a little tongue. It just, just, hey, if it's picturing the Holy Spirit, it's got to be perfect. You know, it's, it's got to be. It's not going to be some flimsy little funky flame. It's going to be a nice crisp, <laughs> you know. I, I just. And no, and and they were all thankful it didn't <laughs> because it landed on them. <laughs> Nobody's screaming. You don't hear that in here. Okay, but in all seriousness, and, they, um, and the Holy Spirit came. And that's, these were the first. And naturally, this should be the first group. This is that 120 is the apostles. You know, I mean, Mary, I mean, you read, if you read, we read from Acts chapter 1 all the way to this, we find out up that room there was all the, the, the fellows that were on the road to the Emmaus Road, they were in there, and Mary, the mother of of, of Christ, she was up in there, and I'm, I'm happy to say, all of Jesus's brothers were there. Now believing, were up there. So, and, and two of those fellows we know, one is goes by the name Jude, and the other one goes by the name James, who just happened to be writers of a couple of the New Testament epistles. They were up there. So, I mean, there's a lot of key folks up there that were going to get this game moving, you know. And so that 120, they came out of that 
room empowered. And like I say, they just turned the world upside down. You know, they just went. And then we look at Acts chapter 8, and we're getting real close here, but Acts chapter 8, I don't see anybody milling around out there yet. 8, 14 to 19, we've got another group, and we're going to go, we're going to read this, look, we're going we're gonna to go into this, but in that group, you've got the Samaritans, okay, another, and again, you'll see all these places, there's four spots in here where it talks about people getting baptism and, and, um, so forth, 8.14 says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaria, that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. I, see, some people read that and say, well, that's how you get the Holy Spirit. You, you must pray, and it's like a second blessing. No, it's not. Well, so, well, why do they do it this way? Because this was the first time. Let's go back to creation. Where did Adam come from? Was he born? No. The first time God does something doesn't mean that's the normative modus operandi for continuing the human race. God doesn't say, you know, um, make Adam, then here, go to sleep, I'm going to pop a rib, make Eve. No, okay. That's, that's the way he did it the first time, but that's not normative for reproduction. What happened in Acts, receiving the Holy Spirit, is how it took place the first time. And you notice it was started with 120 in the upper room. You know, I would say 99.9% .9 Jewish believers. You know, there could have been a couple of Gentiles in there, but Jewish believers. Then the next place that the gospel went to, Samaritans. Okay, so it went to Samaria. They received the Holy Spirit. Okay. And you go to the next one in Acts chapter 10. We got, a, we got, remember Cornelius, the Gentile guy. As soon as you got Gentiles. So then, and the same thing happened. They received the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then there was uh, <clears throat> sign gifts that followed with that. And in the very last group, Acts chapter 19, and let's end with that one. Because I, th I think you're all somewhat familiar with... Uh, Cornelius, where Peter up there and he had the some Acts is really a cool book. I mean, you, know, you know, it's titled Acts of the Apostles, but it could very easily be titled Acts of the Holy Spirit. You know, it really could be because it, the Holy Spirit was just moving. I mean, you talk about being in the sphere of the Holy Spirit. That that's his game, and he was just moving things. He was getting things done through his people, and. Acts 9, 1 through 7, it came about that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and, and found some disciples. Huh. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? So again, the whole book of Acts is a period of transition. The we, the church, is transitioning from Judaism, the law, the ministry of Christ on earth, we're transitioning from that into the church, which is a whole different thing. We're not under the law in terms of um, you know, practicing its rituals and all that. Yes, the, mor the moral portion of the law still exists, but, we're, but see, just as Christ says, I didn't come to destroy it, I came to fulfill it. Well, he fulfilled it. And so now we're on this side of the fulfillment. So we don't do all the stuff that pictures him 
coming because he's here. Now we've moved, we moved from that point and we're heading toward eternity. That's the, you know, that's the next big deal. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're moving, we're, we're just moving toward the eternal state. There's just a few little things in the road like, well, rapture, tribulation, but we're a kingdom, <laughs> thousand year kingdom. But I mean, we're, we're heading, we're on, the, we're, we're on the downhill run now. You know, we're moving. It's, he's, and he, you know, picking up speed. And, oh yeah, and, 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 and let's face it, God's got this thing. Yeah. He's got it. I mean, see, we don't have to fret. He's got this thing. And anyway, these were, these were, says, says, when you believed, and he goes to them, well, back to verse 2 of chapter 19, he says, we have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. See what I mean? It's a period of transition. It's a period of transition. There's a lot of people that got to get caught up, got brought back to speed, so to speak, just brought up to speed. And these are just insightful spots that show us that. And I, that had to be going on all throughout the Roman Empire. Because there's people running all over the place, you know, and um, <clears throat> and so we know these fellows. He said to them, uh, verse three says, "And <clears throat> in what then were you baptized?" And they said, "Into John's baptism," referring to John the Baptist. And Paul said to him, "John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus." The lights coming on. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, that baptism under repentance was not the same as church age baptism. See, this was a sign that they were repentant, of a repentant heart. Baptism in our day in the church, in the day of the church, is a baptism showing our relationship to the living God. You know, you can see it in Romans, right? You know, going down, you know, buried with him in baptism, dead to sin, risen to newness of life. There's the, that's the picture. That's the picture. That's why we only do that once. We only do that once. And then communion is something we do, you know, here we know once, once a month to remember the sacrifice that made it all possible, <laughs> okay? And so anyway, that was it. And verse 6 in 19 says, When Paul laid hands on him, upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with other tongues or languages, prophesying. <clears throat> and there were in about 12. So there's 12 of these guys. 12 of these fellows. So there's 12 of those fellows. And they were, again, followers of John the Baptist that needed to be brought up to speed. That's all. They just need to be, get the gaps filled in. Which kind of tells us that not necessarily all those folks that went down and got baptized were immediately saved. Remember, the Pharisees wanted to go down. And they said, hey, you need to show me a little something. <laughs> like maybe repentance, a repentant heart. <laughs> so anyway, I definitely need to close now or they'll be uh, sending in the uh, castle palace guard or something. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. Again, Lord, thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that it is he who keeps us and burdens our hearts to stay on the straight and narrow. And we pray that we listen. In Jesus' name, amen.